the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. Love Never Fails. Inviting you to join in the fight for love. There are millions of people who are trapped in modern day slavery. Take a stand to do something against this injustice. Join the fight against human trafficking. If you truly love, set the captives captives free. Each week, this program sheds light on the needs of vulnerable people in our community who are impacted by human trafficking, homelessness, addiction, and abuse, and celebrates the work of those who are meeting them right where they are and expressing to them that they are precious, valued, and loved. Our goal is to see this radio audience move to compassion demonstrated in acts of service, generosity, and gifts of time. Give up a chance. Give up your heart. Love never fails. Now here's the host of Love Never Fails Radio, founder and executive director of Love Never Fails, Vanessa Russell. Thanks and welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today with a special guest. Uh, I just, uh, some funny stories. We'll get to those in a minute of how we first met, but I'm just so grateful to have Rosario Dowling in the room. She is the founder and CEO of Burning Bush Moments and um, just a, a great uh, woman, powerful force in the fight against human trafficking and in the fight for young people as they are um, maybe coming out of foster care, coming out of a system such as incarceration, um, the social services, and starting to uh, engage with the world in a new way, see the world in a new way, hopefully through the kindness and the love that she shows to everyone that she meets. And I'm just so grateful to have you on the show, Rosario. Thank you, Vanessa. Yeah. So a little bit more um, about uh, Rosario's background. She actually, um, this is how I first met her. She was the former Prop 35 camp. Campaign, Northern California Regional Director for California Against Slavery. So uh, she was in, very much involved in Prop 35. And for those of you who were engaged um, when that was on the scene, uh, that proposition passed at the highest level historically that any proposition had passed in California. And it um, really made it so that uh, the laws had increased for the act of or the uh, penalties rather increased for the act of exploiting a child or exploiting an adult and also provided for education of uh, law enforcement. Correct. And so this was quite uh, I was actively involved. We actually did a um, a walk together uh, in Oakland uh, down International Boulevard. And I have an update for you. We're going to be doing something similar coming up here uh, pretty soon. And um, but that was uh, just uh, great to be able to partner with Rosario in that in that area. And then shortly thereafter, uh, I went on kept doing Love Never Fails, and she uh, w- w- went on to become the CEO of Burning Bush Moments, which is a nonprofit for youth with a focus on males 
in or at risk of delinquency, providing advocacy, mentoring, and transitional support in the greater Sacramento area. That's right. Yeah. So, so you know, doing great work. We've been, you know, out here sort of engaging with young people, addressing this issue of human trafficking. And and I often get the question, as I'm sure you you do, uh, you know, how did this all start? What? Why do you do what you do, Rosario? Well, specifically when it came to starting Burning Bush Moments, uh, my brother, my elder brother, who's about 11 years older than I am, uh, was that delinquent mm. in the community. Mm-hmm. And so we were touched. Our family was touched by delinquency. Our family was touched by detention, incarceration, and longing to help brother but not knowing how. Yeah. And so that really was something that was always in my heart, always in my mind. I loved Big Brother, but he was doing some things in the community that were not good. Yeah. Uh, so I had mother who was the town evangelist and brother who was the town gangster. Wow. And I grew up with that and really wanting to always help youth. And so honestly, I started out as a translator in third grade. Mm. I was a parent translator and mm. I was a, a mentor and a tutor for Spanish-speaking kids. Mm. So I've Really, I've been doing this since a very young age. Yeah. Uh, but from that, and really, what, and what, and if you don't mind my asking, that uh, was in your early twenties, or when? When was oh, that? That was that was early, early teenage. Yeah, early, really, early, really? Okay. earlier than that. That was okay. elementary school. So you? Oh, I'm sorry. So yes. I'm sorry. You were. I thought you were mentoring elementary. So you were in elementary. I was in elementary translating. <laughs> yes. Wow. I was. Third grade. Okay. Third grade chosen okay. because I was doing well in my class. Wow. And I was a teacher's assistant, even in third grade. Wow. Uh, so I started at a very young age. Wow. And Calling always, on your life. Always for boys. Mm. I don't know what it is. It was just, I loved brother so much. Yeah. And, um, and then I was raised with my younger brothers. Big yeah. family, but I was raised with the younger brothers. And so always a tomboy, always having that passion to be around boys and that interest to help. And you have boys now, uh, sons now I too, do, right? I do. I have four. So that doesn't. <laughs> that just keeps it going. You know, it? <laughs> God's little joke on me. I prayed for boys. Ah, okay. I did, okay. and uh, I thought my prayer was answered, but it was actually God that did that. Yeah, that was His plan. Wow. Yeah. So yeah. I actually, from a young age, I thought I was going to be a nun, mm. and my life was touched and impacted by an, an orphan child, a little boy. That came through from Mexico to our church. It was a church group, mm-hmm. an orphanage. Mm-hmm. And they allowed these little boys to come sleep over at a family's house for a week, mm. which now I, I find very disturbing. Yeah. But, you know, these were the early 80s and people were doing whatever they could to really just gain financial support for their missions. And this little boy was in our home and he was so enthralled with the fact that we all had our own beds, the fact that we had a mom and a dad, and that we had a house, and we had a cow, and we had chickens because we were growing up on a farm. Mm-hmm. And he was just impressed with us. He thought we were wealthy. We were poor. Mm. My father was a mariachi. Mm. My mother was the Avon, Tupperware, Stanley Home Products, and Jesus lady. Wow. So I really grew up thinking, I'm, I'm going to be a nun. I'm going to help wow. boys like him. And uh, I honestly felt and, and just based on my faith, I, I honestly feel it was God telling me, you will be a mother to motherless boys. And not too long after that, I watched a movie called Boys Town with Spencer Tracy. Yeah, I remember that. And probably within the first 15 minutes, there's a condemned inmate. Mm. 
And that inmate is being told by the warden that he's getting his comeuppance. And he's waiting for the chaplain, for this priest to come. And Spencer Tracy enters the room, and, and he's talking to him, and he's saying, he's finally, the inmate tells, the condemned inmate tells the warden, where were you when my old man was beating up my old lady? Where were you when I was a scared child hiding under the bed? Where were you? Yeah. And it touched my heart. Mm. And I felt like I will be there yeah. for those boys when those situations are happening. Yeah. And so, you know, mother's that, heart. It, it absolutely was. And I was probably about 10, 11 years old. Mm-hmm. So I always thought I'm going to open a boy's home. I'm going to open uh, an orphanage, you know, in that small little immature mind. Um, but here I am 40 years later or so. Um, and uh, there was this pastor preacher that came to our church and was doing this very uh, engaging preaching and he asked everybody that was 39 and 39 and younger to stand up and to take a look around at everybody else and so I stood up smug you know with myself I'm 39 years old I'm feeling great and I'm looking at my friends going ooh you're over 40 and he said look around everybody else is dying you're going into the promised land wow what are you going to do for God now mm-hmm. and I it instantly hit me I just had my burning bush moment mm. God was calling me to do something. And he reminded me of the passion and the dream drive and that care that I have for for boys. And I have my own boys. And so that launched it. Wow. Well, I think that uh, the listening audience is probably thinking, have I had my burning bush moment? Mm. Or maybe reflecting on that moment and just solidifying that – Yes, you know, God has sent you to that place. And so thank you for reminding us mm-hmm. of that, of those moments. Um, I, I can think back on mine as mm-hmm. well. Um, but um, there, that's what grounds us when, we, when, when things are challenging. Um, one of the things that I want to dig into is, uh, well, a couple of things uh, in our next segment. I want to talk a little bit about uh, the services that you're uh, providing and also uh, the 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 legal or the the case that has been discussed mm-hmm. over the week and some of the things that have happened here in 2018. Correct, right? Mm-hmm. Um, some laws that were changed that are really going to impact young people, in particular boys, but all young people and in uh, the years to come. Uh, We've had, this week has been mind-blowing with the clemency um, of Centoya Brown. Um, I mean, just, uh, I prayed and prayed and prayed for that. There's just been a lot of things in the legislation that Mm -hmm. are um, uh, coming together in a very powerful way, I think, on on behalf of children, vulnerable children. And again, what you said around who was there? Were you there? Um, that's a question that we all have to ask ourselves as we point the finger, mm. you know, and I'm just reminded of um, when Jesus said, you know, you who is without sin cast the first stone and how many of us are so willing to cast a stone, but not wondering what happened to this person that got them where they are. Right, so right. when we come back, we're going to talk a little bit about some of these situations in this legislation. And thank you for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. 
Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome to Love Never Fails Radio. You're listening to a program that is going to encourage you to reflect upon your burning bush moment. And we're here with the CEO of Burning Bush Moments, Rosario Dolling, uh, from the greater Sacramento area, who is telling us all about um, sort of the way in which she began to um, uh, really care very deeply for our young men in our community. Um, I love the way your bio opens up. Parachutes and hot air balloons were a plenty in the sky over Paris, California, uh, where Rosario dreamt of one day becoming a nun. <laughs> but today she is the mother of four young men figuring life out, a wife to a man who could readily exchange his current car for a TARDIS. <laughs> He's a nerd. And enjoying <laughs> the uh, championing the underdog and influencing change. I love that. Right. Great bio. Um, and so just thinking about Burning Bush Moments and the services that you provide, as we were talking about during the break, lately, so our house is currently full and it's just been, it's it's always full, and which is a, such a blessing. I thank God for um, the women that he's assigned to us. And um, but lately we've been getting these requests for uh, placement from women who have children that are over the age of 12 Mm. uh, boys that are Mm. over the age of 12. And um, that is it really poses an issue. It's it's sort of like a domestic violence, uh, human trafficking, uh, safe house standard to not receive boys over the age of nine or over the age of 12. Yeah. And because they become pubescent because of some of the challenges that could occur between a, a teenage boy and an exploited woman. Sure. Um, or children of exploited women. And so, um, you know, I've been thinking a lot about this, you know, and, and, and questioning whether a girl quite frankly, a teenage girl would have the same, you know, uh, risks. Right. 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 And I mean, when you're going through puberty and with everything that's going on and, you know, all the different messages that our young people are receiving, why would we think that a boy would be any more predatory than a girl? Right. Um, Why would we think that a boy hooking up with one of our clients would be any more prevalent than a girl hooking up with one of our clients? Right. Right. So it's just... You know, it's sort of like you have to kind of keep an eye on on people and make people responsible for their children. So I've been praying about this and kind of maybe challenging myself to not just go with the status quo, but maybe think a little bit deeper about how we really meet the needs of our of our families. Um, And um, and so last month, three three women, uh, one that had a 15 year old boy. Uh, one that had a 18 year old boy and a 17 year old boy mm. and another one just this past week, mother, pregnant mother with eight sons between the ages of two and wow. 15. Wow. Wow. Eight sons wow. who's wow. been living in a van for mm. three years, escaping domestic violence. Wow. So praise God, we've been able to make uh, uh, make arrangements for all these scenarios using host homes for boys, um, partnering with some people in, um, actually in Fremont, one of the people that's helping us works in Fremont and lives in the Central Valley and is helping us with uh, the mom with the eight um, children. And um, so the community is just coming out in spades to, to help. 
But That's our wonderful. boys. Yeah, you know, that. just the thought of what you mentioned earlier, that boys being more predatory than a girl. Right. If you have a mom showing up with a 12-year-old girl, immediately we, we feel comfortable and compassion. Hey, you can sleep on the couch, no problem. Right. But if a boy is involved, mm-hmm. all of a sudden there are different thoughts. Right. And that is very unfair. Yeah. That is very unfair. And we have so many boys right now in our juvenile halls who would gladly give up anything to be with their mother. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, I become a mother to many of the boys. Yeah. And I say unfortunately because that, that wasn't their role in life. They had a mother. They were someone's baby boy. They were kissed on the face. They were loved for a minute. And now they're facing a challenge that now they're stuck in detention for whatever reason. And mothers are somewhere else. Well, and I just wonder, this is this is what this is the dialogue that I wanted to kind of pull apart with you here is that um, what I see happening, if there if we hadn't intervened and said, let's find something else for the boy, what happens is mom, all these mothers are really they started out being abused young, young children. Yes. Then they went on to being exploited women, Mm -hmm. domestic women in domestic violence. Mm -hmm. So now they now they've decided I've been beaten too too much. I've gotten to my compelling moment right. where I'm leaving, but I can't bring my son. So guess what I'm going to do? I I got to survive. Yeah. So I'm going to go get in this shelter, or I'm going to um, and I'm going to put my son with an uncle. That's with terrible. a brother. I know it sounds the, it sounds good. But I I recently met an 80-year-old psychologist Mm -hmm. who said up until probably within the last 20 years, he finally came to terms to why his mother left him Mm. with grandma. Because he had a close relationship, loving relationship with his mother. And when divorce happened, she chose to leave two kids and move on in life. He felt unimportant. He felt neglected, abandoned. And we know based uh, on science, they say that the same part of the brain that feels pain, physical pain, we feel that same type of pain when we're lonely. Mm. That man, 80-year-old man, Mm -hmm. was still feeling that same amount of pain for being abandoned and left by Mm -hmm. mother. Mm -hmm. So it all sounds good, placement, helping, but in fact, it's it's still a tough road for our guys. That's right. To have to overcome. And and, and, and all of these... um Attachment issues come mm. up, all of these, it's traumatic. Right. Right. I'm really attached to my mom, and now I have to be disconnected from her for a variety of reasons, and she can try to explain away why that is. Right. But now I'm mad. Well, I have boys who say, I don't come from a broken home. My mom was my dad. Yeah. And that's that's dysfunctional. Right. We know this. Right. That's not the way that we we see traditional homes and and how our boys need mom and dad. Right. Period. Yeah. But it's still something that at some point they've overcome. They've pushed past the fact that they don't have a dad, but they've got mom. Right. And for the boys that don't have mom, that's even worse. Yeah. That means you don't exist. Right. You don't exist. You weren't wanted. Right. Because. The mother who gave birth to you isn't around and doesn't want to even check in on you. Right. Drop a letter. Yeah. That's huge. And and, and what's sad about that is that um, it's it's not true. Correct. 
that's that's the part that I think like in 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 working with these women that are all that are working on reunification with their kids, even their that's adult wonderful. children. That's wonderful. They all love their kids. I have to so tell you though, deeply. There, there are some women who do don't. not. Yeah, no, I've met a they couple. They don't return. I I met a couple, and and even them, honestly, uh, even them, if you really look at their histories. They have severe abuse, sure, severe yes. mental illness. Yes, you're right. Um, I have um, two of them that come to mind that were in our home that were would take care of their kids in an obligatory way, mm. mainly because they had like DID. They had different things going on. Um, they were narcissists, mm. uh, you know, um, different different disorders that were ke- keeping them from. Um, connecting with their child in a healthy, natural way. Right, right. I have yet to meet a woman that was had no diagnosis, not abused, you know, didn't have attachment disorders True. and say, I, yes. I just don't want this kid. Like there usually is like some significant reason. Yes. And I'm not saying, you know, I, you know, I don't want to give people a pass, but I just want to say what that says to me is that it's not you, honey. Whoever it is, if you're a guy who was abandoned by your mother, it's not you. You didn't do it. Mm -hmm. This is a family lineage issue. This is a generational issue. This is a mental health issue. Usually what I tell the boys is you actually get to determine now. The dad that you always wanted, you get to be that. Yeah. The mother that you always wanted, you get to choose. Right. So bring that right. Yeah. Do it better for yourself and for your child. You know the loneliness. You know the pain. You know the crying that you did. Yeah. Seek that. Seek the right person to mm. make that not happen to your child. Amen. And That's move so forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm. Okay. We're going to take a break. Okay. We're going to talk more about that legislation that All we didn't right. get to yet. <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we'll be right back. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails Radio. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Uh, This month is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month. And this past week on the 11th, we celebrated National Human Trafficking Awareness Day. And so just want to bring, you know, bring highlight that and encourage you to uh, educate yourself on what human trafficking is. If you want to get started on doing that by going to our website, which is loveneverfailsus.com, please feel free. There's some links there that you can also um, sort of uh, peruse the National Human Trafficking Hotline. Polaris also has a great uh, amount of information, just a, a, a plethora of information there. DOJ as well, uh, Department of Justice, and um, several other great ones. So uh, encourage you to take a look and again, just educate yourself. Human trafficking is a real thing. Um, it is happening in uh, right before our very eyes, and it's something that we can prevent and something that we can um, where we can intervene and hopefully provide better outcomes for our young people. And one of the things I want to touch on as we talk some more about some of the legislation, some of the uh, things that are going on in in um, in the legal world is uh, both girls and boys 
are trafficked, um, uh, sex trafficked and mm-hmm. labor trafficked. Um, I want to say last statistics I saw were somewhere around five to 10 percent of sex trafficking cases involved. I think it was five percent involved boys. Fifty mm-hmm. percent uh, of labor trafficking cases involve uh, boys. So very much more prevalent with labor trafficking. And that is a huge issue here. In California, especially in some of the farming communities, right? Mm -hmm. Farming communities that we were saying earlier. And so um, tell me, you know, when you look at the young men that you serve, um, is there a correlation between the young men you serve and trafficking? Um, Do you see that there's a a mix there? There is. Unfortunately, you have kids who are trying to make ends meet. And so they are in a community that is ravaged by uh, incarceration of mom, incarceration of dad. Uh, They're being raised by grandma. And so in high school, they're finding girls or uh, some of our boys are being trafficked. Um, Little by little, they're looking for places to live. They've been sort of uh, sent out of home because they are are, uh, identifying as gay. Mm -hmm. And so... Many homes are are still not interested in helping their young men, Mm -hmm. um, their youth find their place in life. And so we have boys that are couch surfing. Yeah. And most recently I was uh, I I get the referrals uh, from in Sacramento County. I received some referrals. And so recently I'll give you an example. A youngster said he was. Uh, basically a foster youth who was turned out by the time he was 18 because the Mm. foster family no longer was receiving funds for him. And so he was couch surfing with friends and he ended up uh, amongst the homes of some wealthy individuals in Sacramento and they all wanted sex from him. And he mentioned that, Mm. you know, he wasn't looking to have relationships with men. Yeah. But he almost felt obligated because he knew he would be back on the streets and he would be homeless again. Yeah. And that's a tough spot for our boys. Mm-hmm. Um, he, and he said, I don't identify as gay. Mm. Yeah. And so what survival do you, sex. What do you do with that? So right. we have boys who have come through our juvenile detention who mm-hmm. have definitely been given far more support now than they used to. Yeah. Um, we Which had, is so troubling. I think that that's one of the things that disturbs me. The most, and you know, you know, as you know, we're part of a collaborative that does prevention education in the schools, and um, you know, I think that's a great thing to do. To, but I think you know, a, a earlier stage or a, a greater way that we can prevent trafficking is by hearing the needs of our kids it's and true. prevent and, and actually providing sustainable jobs for them and. Providing, you know, um, overlay families to help with, the, you know, in the community when they see a troubled youth meeting some of those needs. You know, Vanessa, I think the best place, and I don't know if, if you've looked into this, but I feel like the best place to identify support for children, children who are at risk of this, uh, should be at, during wellness checks. Yeah. Because and you have little kids yeah. having their wellness checks. Find out what's going on with the family. Mm-hmm. Give them a referral. Yeah. Listen, you're going to need a little bit more support. Your child is coming into his, you know, prepubescent time, whatever it, whatever it takes. But during those wellness checks, that's when mothers, grandparents, caretakers, foster parents, guardians, that is a moment where they're paying attention. It's a, it, They're listening it, to it, the expert in the room. Yeah. And they will take notice of that information. Yeah. Because I feel like in school, sometimes it's laughable. Right. 
it's laughable to kids. Mm-hmm. They're like, oh, you know, I'm a hoe. I call my 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 bee a, a hoe. Mm-hmm. They go on and on, and it's funny to them. It's too late by it, then. Half it the is. Time. Well, it is. And, and that's why it, I'm it, really. I wouldn't big say it's on- too late, but I'm saying for some. It's well past that time. I would love to. I mean, so I agree. It's not too late, but it is it is uh, more intervention at that point. Right. Prevention is going to be in the fifth grade. Yes. It's going to be in the seventh at the very latest. Yes. And I've always been a huge advocate of getting it in earlier. Unfortunately, people tend to be of the mind that, oh, this is this is too advanced or this is not applicable to me to uh, bring in a, a, you know, obviously you wouldn't be talking about sex trafficking with a fifth grader, uh, especially not in some of the urban communities. You might, you know, it might be actually, it's very prevalent to do that in in Oakland. I I would, I would actually disagree with that. I remember being in in sixth grade and we had such an increase in drugs in our community. They actually brought in packets of drugs and a drug sniffing dog and officers into our rooms. And I remember thinking, this is what happens to Big Brother. And were you in a rural county or an urban uh, Rural. Yeah. So, and so it was very conservative. Urban in the Riverside rural counties, county. they tend, the, the legislators and the leaders think a lot of them thought when we first started Protect and we were having some of these conversations, they thought this is not happening here. Right. Urban counties, you, you can get them to say yes to educating fifth graders all day. Right. But- Rural counties, no, not so much. No, so, no. but that's changing. That is changing. Uh, you know, we're in now in thirty-five counties of that's the fifty-eight awesome. counties, and that's awesome. yeah, so that's really exciting. But I think, um, I think going back to the wellness check, I know Dignity Health, Dr. Ron Chambers, has sort of been innovating in this regard hmm. of sort of creating, thinking of the health care room yes. as a place to assess yes. for human trafficking and actually has protocols set up to address them on site, you know? Right. And so some of them I won't mention because they're, you know, they're, they're saving lives and I don't, don't want to expose too much detail, right. but they have some, some really great strategies that they're working on. And I love that idea of saying, you know, if you're a primary care physician, mm-hmm. you're a pediat- pediatrician, and you're meeting and you're thinking you're thinking of those wellness checks Correct. right there, right? Correct. You know, you're meeting with them and, and you you see all the, you know, all the markers for um, trauma. Yes. Um, and you see all the markers for, um, you know, parents that need additional support. Well, you know, they I, I don't not to interrupt you too much, but there are some urban cities that provide incentives for parents to bring their kids to wellness checks. Mm. They'll provide extra bag of groceries. Mm. Bring your kids. Mm-hmm. Some schools have done this in the L.A. area, East Los Angeles area. Mm. So they're bringing their kids more often because they're getting an extra bag of groceries for right. the week. That is great. That's a great way to say, okay, here are some referrals. Here are some resources for you further, right? Because food is such a conduit for change. Right. For comfort. Yeah. People will build relationships over food. Yeah. So why not use that? But and, and so so just to take that a bit further. So a lot of the time, however, this is the part that troubles me and why I've shifted my focus towards workforce development. That's I'm all about that. Mm. As you know, uh, retired from Cisco actually a week ago mm-hmm. to commit myself to getting jobs for people in IT. And um, and because why why am I doing that? Because you give them some food. 
mm-hmm. and you assess them and you collect data. Now mm-hmm. we have data that says they have all the markers that we already know about, right? We know that when dad isn't in the home, when, you know, the, right, the, right. there's, you know, substantially more risk to a child for molestation, for um, poverty, when people don't have a, you know, high school education or college education, what mm-hmm. kind of, uh, you know, uh, what kind of salary they can warrant. And um, so there's just a variety of things that we know, but there isn't a solution for them on right. the other side. Right. Like, mm-hmm. how are they going to, how are they going to earn a sustainable wage? Right. And when you earn a, a wage, and I said sustainable for a reason, because, yeah, well, go get a job. Okay, I got a job. I'm making $11 an hour. That's minimum wage in Hayward. Yeah. I'm making $15 an hour. That's minimum wage in Oakland. But guess what? Half of my income, and we know that that's a marker, when over 50% of your income is spent on housing, you're, you're, any, any false move, anything happen, right. you get sick right. for a day or two, that's it. you're done. Yeah. Yep. So these are the challenges, I think, that we see systemic challenges that um, really have to be solved. Okay, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back, talk some more about this case. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get to it. We're going to talk some more about this case. And uh, if you want to learn more about Love Never Fails, you can go to our website at loveneverfailsus.com. We do have an IT Academy um, application that is open at the moment. I'll tell you more about that when we come back. Thanks for listening. For more information on this program, visit loveneverfailsus.com. That's loveneverfailsus.com. We'll be right back with more right after these messages. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. We're in the studio today with Rosario Dowling, who is the CEO of Burning Bush Moments. And we're just having a great chat about things that are impacting young people, in particular boys in the Bay Area. One of the bills that was passed into law in 2018 is SB 1391, uh, which is um, uh, basically makes it, um, uh, we're not allowed to... the courts will no longer charge 14 and 15 year olds as an adult. Correct. And um, Rosario was just telling me that she was dealing with a case uh, this week. Correct. Uh, the first case in Sacramento area that's actually going to uh, rub up against yes. that bill. Yeah? So it's being challenged to see if it's constitutional. Okay. And so there are already two counties that have accepted it. Judges deem them constitutional. And so we have youngsters that are headed Uh, to the Department of Juvenile Justice because of it. So that was in Solano and uh, Santa Clara. Mm -hmm. And so we have one case currently pending uh, in Sacramento. And, you know, the decision will actually open up the opportunity for more to come through. And so all it takes is one judge saying, yes, I understand that this law has come into effect. I understand that this law is constitutional. And it is not undermining others or undoing others. It is a standalone law that is going to impact the lives of our youth. And we have many, many more who will be coming up behind all that. And that's not to diminish or take away culpability of our Mm -hmm. kids, Mm -hmm. but that's to give appropriate consequences, appropriate penalties. Because we know, even working with uh, our children in human trafficking, our children who are from foster care, our children who are from domestic violence situations, when there is neglect, when there is a minimal amount of food 
you're not eating right. You're not sleeping right. You're worrying. Your brain is not developing correctly. Mm-hmm. And we've we've seen those scans. The brain of a neglected, abandoned, uh, poverty impoverished or impoverished child. That brain is smaller at the same age of a child, average child that has a good home, sleeps well, own bed, own home, is not worrying too much, mm-hmm. other than being a child. And so these new laws, SB thirteen ninety one. It, they're important for our kids mm-hmm. because we're the adults in the room. Right. We're in charge. We're the caretakers. Our kids don't know any better at times. And what's the rationale for, um, you know, I, I was watching Making a Murder on mm. Netflix mm. and there was a teenager that yes. is still incarcerated Correct. there. I forget his name now, but what it's a, a troubling. Bra- Brandon. 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 Yeah. Yes, you're right. Oh, I, that I, crushed me. I have to so tell you, much. Uh, my husband is uh, an IT person. Yes. He's minimal uh, people mm-hmm. interactions. Mm-hmm. But um, that changed his mind. That changed his mind specifically to how a child, a child possibly with mental health issues. Right. Possibly high functioning Asperger's. Right. If you watch that documentary. That's right. How a child could make a statement that is coerced. Right. We've watched. If you watch that documentary, please do. Yeah. You will see it. Yeah. That child was set up for failure from the very beginning. Yes, he was. And he's easily easily manipulated. And there were two Supreme Court judges that came back and yeah. ruled against that ruling right. and said it was I think it was abhorrent. I don't know if it, that was exact was. word. But yes. they stated, how can you the not trickery. see? Yeah. Yes. And then but there was that the, the third judge that said. Uh, no, I think he's responsible, and the tactics right. that the officers used were appropriate tactics to uh, draw out his confession. And I mean, the the documentary—I won't spoil it for you guys. Go go, go watch it. Right. You, uh, the documentary uncovers so many horrific um, details. Yes. And I, I gotta say, I, I know this is so, so we already know that our African American and Latino, uh, young men are just derailed in so many ways and villainized in so many ways. I was happy that these were two, uh, and I, I say happy carefully that these were white men, a white man and a white, a minor boy, because it just shows like it for me, it took race out of the equation. So you could just see how a, how these systems are corruptly incarcerating everybody. Well, I and think then exponentially I, more because of the racism. And, you know, I, and this is, you know, obviously there's data to support this. There is many experiences to support exponentially more the, the value that we place on an African-American boy or a Latino boy's life is, is substantially lower in the juvenile system. I mean, me, you know, can I comment on that. I have yeah. to say, I, I grew up in a small town. Yeah. And there were equal parts black, equal parts white, and equal parts Mexican. Yeah. There were many others, and there were probably Filipino and from Guam, and mm-hmm. but they were lumped in with Mexican because we were that color, right? <laughs> uh-huh. And I didn't grow up with racism. Yeah. And it wasn't until I came to uh, Los Angeles area from mm-hmm. Riverside that I started to experience racism. And I experienced racism at the hands of uh, black people. Mm-hmm. And I thought, what is going on? Yeah. I didn't know that black people didn't want Latino people around. Right. And then I moved into Sacramento and I realized, my goodness, I saw it in court. Yeah. Our Latino kids, our black children, yeah. were far more likely to end up in DJJ and headed off to prison with adult charges 
than our, you know, our little Caucasian counterparts. And so I thought, no, this is unbelievably wrong. Mm -hmm. And even though I, I'm, all our boys are of all different ethnicities, um, I have to tell you, I did not realize how serious it really was until I ended up as an advocate in court and seeing the poor white child that was getting the same treatment as the poor Mexican, as the poor black. And I'm thinking, wait, if that white child had a wealth, you know, a a wealthy family or just middle class, he would be fine. It's a money thing. It is a money thing. Yeah. And so I and, would, and, li- I would and, like to be funded just to give advocates and, and lawyers for our kids, period. Yeah, That's right. what I would like to do. That'd be awesome. Well, and I think it's a money thing, and I think it's a who you tick off thing, too, mm-hmm. because with this making of the murder, this family really upset the DA and all the you know, leaders. You know what was interesting about that family? They yeah. owned businesses there. They were affluent. They it's were fine. They weren't but well they, off. They, they, seem to be, they seem to be low-educated. Right. And that is where... The trickery, the hatching of plans and the manipulation and the highly educated people in the community who were in those positions to prosecute. Correct. Came in and took advantage of the power that they had. And they and and here you have a family that I mean, they had owned tons of property, cars and just everything. Right. Right. And they but but yet and still to your point, the education and they look down their nose at the the community, look down their nose at them and and dehumanize them. Yes. I think that's the piece that that I got from the from the show is that we can get to a place where we dehumanize Mm people groups mm. based on their race, mm. based on their religion, based on their education. identity, their education, right. their gender, right. whatever. It should not be. It's, it's not biblical. Mm. It's not, it's not a humanitarian. Uh, if you're not a person of, you know, of faith, it's not a humanitarian. Um, I agree. The, right? hu- the humanitarian factor, yeah. just across the board, if you are humanitarian, that yeah. should not even come into play. And yeah. so when you have children that are being exploited, abused, neglected, tortured even, uh, who is there to respond for them? Right. And that takes me back to my original always moment of who will be there when that child is hiding under the bed? Who is Who will be there when that child is looking around for food and not able to find any? Right. Yeah. Uh, so who will be there? We need to always advocate for our youth regardless. And irrespective of their financial background, history, doesn't matter how many times they run away. Yeah. Doesn't matter how many times they've caused nonsense and chaos in the community. Yeah. We must because we're the adults. That's right. We're the adults. That's right. And I've advocated recently for a youngster. He didn't ask me to advocate for him. In fact, he was quite a little perturbed with me because he knows how much I care about his brother and he didn't he wanted me to care about him that way. But he wouldn't ask me to advocate for him. Mm-hmm. So I finally went up to him and I said, "Buddy, you have not asked me to advocate for you in court." Mm-hmm. But I'm going to do it anyway. I'm going to force myself into that courtroom mm-hmm. on your behalf because you don't know any better. Mm. You don't know what's good for you. And I do. Wow. I'm the adult and I'm going to do that. Last night I spoke to him and he was very grateful that I did that. Wow. And he just mentioned, you know, I'm not my brother. No, you're not. But you're also deserving of love, attention and advocacy. Let mm-hmm. me give it. Wow. So, you know, we have kids that at some point they... They close themselves off. Right. They close themselves off because they they see that others are receiving and they don't want to feel needy or when they were needy, no one gave. And or or they don't want to set themselves up because because people let you down. 
Yes. They let you down. Yes. They I do say tell they're them. gonna show up. I do they tell don't. them I'm going to let them down. Yeah. Trust me. I'm gonna fail people. But it you know, there's a letting you down and then there's a just blowing it. Yeah. You know, I think there's a two different two different things. When people say, I'm gonna stick with you and you keep trying for them and you keep trying for them and you keep calling them. Yeah, I've dropped the ball on things, but all, almost all the ladies that I've I've provided services to, they keep calling me, they keep texting me because they know if I can, I will. Right. But, you know, yeah. th- there's another thing about, yeah, you know, I, I bring you out and I have you speaking for me or I have you, you know, I'm I'm showboating with you. Yeah, that but, won't work. But that, I, that only lasts for so long. I'm not really there. Yeah. Yeah. And there's a lot of people in this in, that are just doing just checking boxes. Yeah. And there's a lot of systems where people are just have a job. It's yes. not a passion. Yes. It, they don't really see the person. Right. And the value yeah. of their and, life. And advocating for kids in court in particular, you don't have to be a CASA advocate. Mm-hmm. You don't have to have uh, a legal background. Yeah. You just need some training. You need to shadow people and mm-hmm. you need to get involved. Yeah. And to advocate for kids in court specifically gives them some type of support to of feel course. no one, mm-hmm. no one's uh, below getting that support. That's right. We can all receive it. Yes. And so to give that type of support, especially in court, the kids know that is a big deal. Yeah. And they look for it. Yeah. They look for it. Sometimes they they won't ask for it, but they will definitely look to see who is providing it and f- try to find a way to get close to that at least. Yeah. So we're going to take a break. Um, we're going to come back with events that are going on and ways that we can connect with you. Um, if you have uh, boys out there that are in need of av- advocacy, you just want to brainstorm with Rosario, you share her heart. Um, maybe you have had a burning bush moment here as we were listening in. Um, we'll be right back to talk a little bit more about how you can connect. And thanks for listening to Love Never Fails. To join in the fight for love, visit loveneverfailsus.com. Don't go away. Love Never Fails Radio will return right after these messages from our sponsors. Welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio, where you are invited to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. And welcome back to Love Never Fails Radio. Once again, I want to thank you, uh, Rosario Dowling, um, CEO of Burning Bush Moments, uh, for being on the show. Really appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks for reconnecting here. And how can people get in touch with you? We have a website, uh, burningbushmoments.org or .com. Either or. And you can sign in, put in your information, and our intern, our admin will get back to you or myself. Awesome. Uh, And we have monthly meetings, Mm -hmm. uh, but also we do newsletters. So if you sign up, you will be on our newsletter and receive updates and how you can donate, how you can start your own little program in your own community. Awesome. Mm-hmm. And do you have any events coming up in the community? We do. We Well, we have uh, specifically we have a parent orientation where we take the parents who, from our kids who are in juvenile hall and they are guided through some of the processes by our boys who have been mentored out of juvenile hall. Mm. And they're the speakers and nice. engage the parents because that gives the parents hope. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. And when, when is that? That's January 14th. It's a Tuesday. Awesome. Yes, okay. six to eight. So check out our website Please. for the details. 
Uh, we also have some other I- events that are going on in the community, um, but I do want to give a quick shout out to Janice Young and Carrie Bruce, who have become Love Never Fails members. We appreciate your support. Um, we encourage you, if you want to become a Love Never Fails member, go to loveneverfailsus.com forward slash donate, and there you can um, subscribe to whichever level makes sense for you. Again, this is National Human Trafficking Awareness Month and uh, Prevention and Awareness Month, and we really want to encourage you to give and get involved um, if, uh, in whatever way you feel led. Uh, we are kicking off our IT Academy this month and we have an application. If you are a survivor of human trafficking, foster care, re-entry, or previously homeless, and you'd like to change your life and go after an opportunity in IT, go to bit.ly forward slash LNF Academy and you can fill out an application there. And then we have our Meaningful Work work workplace event that's coming up in Danville on February 23rd. Please join us where you'll hear some of our survivors speaking about the the transformation in their life. You can find out more about our events at loveneverfailsus.com forward slash event. And of course, if you haven't heard it before, we want to make sure that you know that you are loved. Thanks for joining us this week on Love Never Fails Radio. We trust that you've been inspired by these stories of hope and love and that you'll accept our challenge to get involved by contacting us at loveneverfailsus.com, by liking and sharing our Facebook page, Facebook slash Love Never Fails Radio, or by making a contribution directly to Love Never Fails. This program is the broadcast outreach of Love Never Fails, which is a donor-supported nonprofit ministry that Vanessa founded as a way of directly impacting the lives of young people who are trapped in or at risk of becoming involved in human trafficking. This broadcast needs your involvement and support. To find out more, simply go to loveneverfailsus.com and click on the radio show link. Today's program was brought to you in part by Case Industries, as well as supporters from Faith Fellowship, New Hope Christian Fellowship, and the International Church of the Foursquare Gospel. On behalf of Vanessa and the whole team at Love Never Fails, thank you for listening, and thank you even more for committing to turn your compassion into action and love those in your midst. General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.